All right, folks, here we go with another edition of the Russell Smith Podcast. Thanks again for checking it out. Had a great talk with Joan Cronin. She's going into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in June. The Hall of Fame, of course, is right here in Knoxville, and they have this huge induction ceremony uh, every year here in town. You can get tickets at the Hall of Fame website if you want to search that out. Joan has been a trailblazer for women's athletics, and this honor is probably long overdue. She, of course, was close friends with the late, great Pat Summit, but her impact on UT really goes so much farther than just Lady Vol basketball. She was director of women's athletics at UT for nearly three decades and really oversaw the explosion of women's college sports opportunity as well as the entire Lady Vol brand here in Knoxville. She was also interim athletics director of the whole athletics department at UT for a brief time in the uh, transition from Mike Hamilton to Dave Hart. And on top of all that, she's a very sweet lady and was very generous with her time with me. She gave me a signed copy of her book on the condition that I read it and give her a full and complete report, which is something I fully intend to do. The first female guest I've had on the podcast, something I fully intend to do more often. Here's my conversation with Joan Cronin. Joan, it's very nice to meet you. Thanks for taking time to do this. I really appreciate it. Well, this is awesome. We're in my home. We've got a little touch of orange around us, and you wore an orange shirt, so today's today's good. Just a little touch. Uh Uh, uh, This is a big summer for you, I know, being admitted to the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, that's got to be a tremendous honor. It really is. You know, I'm, I'm honored and really humble because, you know, my goal, and it started off when I was 12, I wanted to play Little League Baseball, and it made me mad that they didn't let me play. So <laughs> I knew all along I wanted to be in women's sports, and uh, but I always was the big picture person. I wasn't the – I was a, a, a good player and a, and, a, and a good coach, but I felt like the athletic director was where I wanted. And to be honored by a Hall of Fame that is made up of mostly players and coaches for being a contributor and making a difference is a huge honor. Absolutely. Not bad for a girl from Opelousas, Opelousas Louisiana. Opelousas, great. Uh, yeah, I've been you, working on that pronunciation all week. Well, that, that that's great. It took me to the third grade to learn to spell it. <laughs> so you, you're okay. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's something similar to me. We were talking before we started here. Uh, I married into a Louisiana family, and there's always something that struck me about the similarities between Tennessee and Louisiana in terms of the sports community, the importance of outdoor sports and stuff like that. It really is. And, and you know, I always say the, the biggest similarity is great people. You know, they, we, Louisianans, Cajuns love people. They love, love to party and love to have a good time. And, <laughs> and uh, Tennesseans are the same way, and we all love our sports. And I uh, said, you know, every, every house in Louisiana has a, a truck and a fishing boat, and Tennessee's kind of the same way. So I, but I, I've been here in Knoxville uh, over three decades, and this is home, but I still like my crawfish. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Got to get down to it. Do you spread out the newspaper on the table oh, absolutely. And, and dump it all out absolutely. there? You get the corn and the potatoes and stuff sausage, in there, Sausage, uh, andouille sausage, okay. all, all there. It's, it's ready. You know, one of the fun things about the induction is uh, my high school coach is coming up for the induction. Okay. And uh, uh, she was, it was her first year out of college when she started coaching us. And, you know, Billy Graham said uh, – a coach could have more influence in one year 
than most people have in a lifetime. And Ann Oye was my high school coach and really had a great influence. So for her to come up and one of my teammates is bringing her, she and her husband are bringing her up for the weekend. And that's going to be really special. So you're in high school in lower Louisiana, late 1960s. Yes. About. And a lot going on, tumultuous time. You've got the civil rights movement going on. Opportunities for women in athletics, not nearly what they are right now. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you as somebody who grew up interested in sports? Well, you know, you know Barbara Mandrell's song that she was country before it was cool to uh-huh. be country. Well, I was a tomboy before it was cool to be in women's sports, and 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 loved it. You know, I, I tried out for little league baseball; they wouldn't let me play. I was a <clears throat> city tennis champion. Every year because really? uh, because I I was the, somebody taught me to play and I taught my neighbor who's actually coming up for the induction also uh, and we uh, we had a great great time but uh, you know there just wasn't many people in, in sports and uh, when I graduated from high school we had had a, gr- a good high school team finished high in the state rankings I was a pretty good player but there was no place to go I went went uh, I got an undergraduate degree at LSU and. Uh, and fortunate enough to be inducted into their Hall of Champions, and somebody said, Joan, what sport did you do? And I said, well, I was intramural ping pong and tennis champion because <laughs> that was all there was. So for this person to see all the opportunities there are now for women just gives me goosebumps. Were your parents generally supportive of, of Absol- you playing Absolutely. Sports? They, they, were, they weren't athletic. They uh, Neither one of them uh, – participate in sports but uh you talk about embarrassing moments uh, I, I was embarrassed at that time but i think about it now my dad would sit in the stands and yell shoot baby and, uh, <laughs> so that was his way of in- encouraging me and uh, i remember one time i was playing in the in south carolina in the state tennis championship and uh, my mother was sitting uh, at the courts and somebody came up and taught her how to keep score and when i came off the court she said joan you know i enjoyed watching you play more when i didn't know how to keep score it made <laughs> me nervous fortunately I had won so it was good but uh so you know I didn't have athletic parents but I had parents who said you can do whatever you want to do and you grew up right near Baton Rouge just north of Baton Rouge well, south of Baton Rouge south. Oh, southwest okay. I guess and uh about 60 miles and uh out of Baton Rouge so I grew up a Tiger fan uh-huh. uh I'm a Cajun with orange blood now okay I have uh, spent more more years at the University of Tennessee but Pool for Tennessee first and LSU second. And uh, it's it's fun to see really, and especially in the South, how much. You know, when we added softball at UT, I can remember people saying, oh, that's a West Coast sport. You'll never be any good. Well, we have been good, and so the so has the Southeastern Conference. Every team in the SEC last year made the NCAAs, and this year too. So it's it's exciting. And they got the new stadium, which is always yeah. full of, of people, and the games Sold are on out. TV. Mm-hmm. And you know, last weekend I thought I'm sitting here and I can watch almost any women's sport I want on television. You know, we had the tennis championship going on, the softball championship going on. They were playing a replay of the basketball championship, and our golf team's playing in regionals. So that's pretty fun. Do you think the the modern 
student athletes on on the women's side at UT. Do you think they are aware of the progress that has been made and how how good they had it compared to uh, the the options and opportunities that you had? You know, I, I I'm sure it's hard for them to appreciate because it's it's uh, it's so exciting and it and it's equal. You know, 1972 was Title IX, and I always said I hated that you had to have a law to do what was right. But you did because sports was a, a male-dominated thing. And uh, but the athletes, we try to educate them. You know, I can. We have when we have a, in the locker room for basketball example, we have who had your lock that locker before okay. you. So Candace Parker had this locker, or Shamika Claw. and so that teaches them a little history. And and we try to require that. But you know, I'm kind of glad they have the opportunities. We, I'm not one of these that uh, says, you know, well, it used to not be like this. <laughs> I'm excited about it. But I, I will tell you one crazy story. Uh, I was. Um, athletic director at the College of Charleston, and uh, we started the program there and actually uh, moved to Charleston after my late husband had gotten his doctorate at UT, and he took a job at the Citadel, and I moved with a two-week-old and a 18-month-old, so you can imagine what my life life was. Oh, and, man. But yet I still had a passion to be in athletics, and so I literally went and made an appointment with the president of the College of Charleston. And I said, you need to, and this would have been in 1972, uh, I said, you need to have women's athletics at Tennessee, at the College of Charleston. And I was either a really good negotiator or a really bad negotiator because I left his office being volleyball coach, basketball coach, tennis coach, and AD. So I, I really got to start the program from, from the ground level. They weren't going to spread you too thin, No, huh? no. I just uh, – <laughs> and try to raise a two-week-old and an 18-month-old. Oh, wow. So, But it was um, – really, that was has always been a passion, and, uh, and it's really fun to see the opportunities today. So – you you went to LSU, class of 66, master's in 68. You get married there. Yes. Did you come to Knoxville before the move to Charleston? Yes, we did. Okay. We uh, kind of high school in Annapolis's LSU undergraduate and master's. Got married. My husband wanted to – he was in exercise physiology and wanted to get his master's, so we went to northwestern Louisiana. In Natchitoches, that's okay. harder to spell than Opelousas. It is. And it's closer to Shreveport, All too. I know is that's where uh, Jim Croce's plane went down, that's correct? E- exactly. Okay. Exactly. The Cane River. <laughs> so we were there for a year for him to get his master's. And again, at Northwestern, I was volleyball coach, basketball coach, and tennis coach. And when he finished his wow. master's, he wanted to get his doctorate. And, and at that moment, it wasn't about my career. It was about his education. So Tennessee and Florida State had the best exercise physiology programs in the country. And Tennessee offered him a, him a, a graduate assistant, and I wrote and got a job. And I actually coached women's basketball here for two years. And we were here for four years and then moved to Charleston. So what what was that like for a Louisiana girl moving to East Tennessee? That's probably uh, that's pretty far north. It was it was a, it was about as far north as I ever want to go, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the hills were something. And uh-huh. for some of our fans out there who remember alumni Jim, 
that was before Stokely, before Thompson Bowling. Uh, Alumni Gym was where they played basketball and taught classes, and we kept riding around the campus, and I, it looks like a castle, and I finally discovered that's where I was going to spend four years of my life in, in Alumni Gym and, and absolutely loved it. And went on to the College of Charleston, as I said, started the program. We were fortunate enough you know, I think to be successful, you surround yourself with great people. I was able to do that. And uh, within 10 years, we were named the number one program, women's program by the American Women's Sports Foundation. And at that time, Tennessee started looking for a ath women's athletic director. And Pat was actually in in Charleston recruiting uh, Katrina McLean, who unfortunately went to Georgia, but uh, we were recruiting her at the College of Charleston, and she was recruiting her at Tennessee, and I can remember riding down Broad Street with her. We had known each other from, from competition, and uh, she said, Joan, the AD's job is going to be open in Tennessee. Why don't you apply? And I almost wrecked because uh, we, were, we were so happy in Charleston. Tom had a great job. He had just been named Professor of the Year, had a sabbatical. Uh, we were number one program in the country. But you know, Tennessee had that pull. And it had that pull because Tennessee cared about women and they cared about women's athletics. And so we packed up and came back to the back to the mountains and have been here ever since. Did you have any idea when you made that move and, and Pat Summit brought it up to you? Did you know, this is before she was at the front, forefront of that explosion of women's basketball in the 1980s. Did you have any idea what she was about to become? You know, Pat, Pat's been a leader. She, she can't, you know, I don't ever say leaders are born, but Pat was probably born a leader. And uh, so, you know, I knew at that time, in fact, the first year I came back, she was the Olympic coach. And uh, we, we did, the as a family, the Chevy Chase vacation across America. To, <laughs> you it went was, to Wally it, World? It, we, we went to L.A. Uh, to the uh, Olympics and uh, watched Pat and a part of that gold medal. But, you know, my passion and my dream was to make a difference in women's athletics. And what a great person to partner with to do that than somebody like Pat Summit. Uh, I, uh, when we were winning national championships and I remember ESPN coming in and they, the question, the exact question they asked me was, why are the Lady Vols so successful? Well, I wanted to give them my 30 minute speech, but ESPN just likes sound bites. So I simply said, we have been able to develop a passion and a pride with the right people to be successful. And I think those things are real important. And it seems like the, the success, obviously, of Lady Vol basketball uh, paved the way for the success that we're seeing in, in softball and soccer and the other women's sports. Was wh How did those other sports – was it just – how many women's sports were there when you well, when took I that When I came job? in, there was seven. Okay. And uh, my goal was, even though Title IX was in, in process and we needed to have more, more sports, uh, internally I said, I'm going to get each of you funded into the top ten in the country because I want you to be in the top ten in the country before I add any other sports. And we did that, and then we added, uh, added soccer, added softball, added um, rowing, and golf. 
So when when now we have 11 sports for women, the men have nine, and so that helps with the numbers of of to make Title IX because Title IX says equal opportunity. It doesn't say exact, but we uh, and football's hard to match on the women's side. Sure. But we added rowing, and that's been a great sport. Uh, somebody asked me, Joan, why did you add rowing? Well, I said, well. I looked out my window, and there was a river, and that made a little sense. And then I started studying rowing, and, you know, we have 65 girls on our roster right now. And uh, so that's giving a lot of women a lot of opportunities, and uh, so it's worked out really well for us. You mentioned getting all the sports funded, and and that seems like uh, a hallmark of of the Lady Vol program. And even through all the change with uh, different athletics directors at Tennessee over the years, and I know you were the, the interim for, for, for a year or so, um, it's, it seems like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that they, they're doing a good job of, of maintaining that commitment to uh, the sports that don't make television every week. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, what, what you want is a, a total athletic program, and uh, any of us that are in the business of sports understand the importance of football. And uh, if, if our athletic department was a train, football's the engine, and we needed to, to win. And, and, and uh, somebody asked me, Joan, do you like football? And I said, well, yeah, 107,000 times, times. Yeah, that, that helps us all, all a lot. But, you know, Tennessee has made the commitment to women. They've made the commitment to a total sports program, and that, that continues. And, uh, you know, we had for – for over three decades, had separate men's and women's programs. And, but the neatest thing about Tennessee was we worked together. It wasn't that uh, I told somebody while I was at Tennessee, I worked with 11 presidents, uh, seven chancellors, and four men's athletic directors. So, but through that whole process, I could not tell you one that did not support what we were doing and not support women. And we were always trying to do the best effective and efficiency as we could. But I knew as time changes, changed, as women's athletics got better and bigger, and uh, that we would eventually combine. And uh, when I saw an opportunity for that to happen, I wanted to be a part of that combining the programs where, again, it would be fair, it would be equitable, and I was able to do that, and I'm really proud of that. So you feel like that's gone smoothly? and You know, you always have a few hiccups, but overall it's gone really smoothly. Uh, Coach Fulmer right now is doing a great job. I love working with him, you know, worked with him when he was football coach, and uh, just uh, he – and, you know, he actually has had two daughters that were – athletes one was on our softball team and one was on our diving team so he has a passion for for women's athletics too so i i feel we're in good hands and i feel like we're smooth smooth and sailing no doubt about it and um you know the one of the hiccups there might have been the decision the the lady vol nickname were you surprised at how con a how controversial that became but b also the support from the community to just say, hey, that this is an important part. This is important to us, not just for basketball, for but for all sports. Absolutely, it was. It was interesting. It was. I obviously was not in favor of of doing away with with the logo, and uh, it was interesting because the news newspaper said no other issue in the history of the newspaper has created more letters to the ed- editors over a two or three year period. 
you know, sometimes you'll have something big, but it was constant. And that it really was about the pride. And, uh, you know, I feel very good about what we came with as a conclusion is, you know, when I left Tennessee, the men used the power tee, the women used the Lady Ball logo, and the inter- university used the interlocking tee as their logo. And then the university decided to use the power tee. So what we have decided is the power tee, all of our teams can use the power tee, and the women can use the Lady Ball logo when appropriate and when, when, it's, when they want to. And that's just a, a great way to honor the past, look to the future, and it was, a, it was a pride factor. It was, look what we've done, and you're just saying, throw it away. And uh, they, uh, so I was really glad when uh, they made the decision to, to bring it back, and I think it was done the correct way. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, you're a trailblazer yourself as the first female AD mm. here at Tennessee. You were the interim athletics director, I, I believe, between Mike Hamilton and, and Dave Hart. Is yes, that correct? Yes, that's correct, yes. How, how long were you actually in that post? It, it, not several months, not, 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 a, but long enough. In fact, I kind of, I knew it was time for me to get, to retire and, uh, I I wanted to be in that transition to help make that happen, and I was really pleased the university honored me in giving me that opportunity. What stands out to you? I know it was brief, but uh, about that time being in in charge of the whole shebang. Oh, it was it was fun. I mean, you know, I, I never felt like I felt like we were all kind of in charge because I you know worked so well with actually Coach Woodruff was the person who the first AD I worked with, and okay. we got along great and. Uh, he, he, I can remember him telling me not to write write him any memos, just come visit with him, and we'd make it work. And then Coach Dickey was a great partner in working for, with athletics. Uh, uh, what a lot of people don't know is what a huge heart Doug Dickey had. I could not have accomplished a lot of what we were able to do if we didn't work together. Mike Hamilton came in and uh, – you know, Mike Hamilton is probably one of the best fundraisers I've ever worked with, and I've really enjoyed that part of what we were able to do. So when I got to take over the the total program, to me it was just a matter of, of polishing the, the car. We had we had great, great, great sports cars. We just needed to, to polish it and, and make it work for everybody working together. The business of SEC athletics seems like it is just uh, night and day from from what it was with the the network money and and all that stuff. Uh, the just the the budget aspect of it is is pretty hard to comprehend. It, it is, uh, you know, Mike Sly was the commissioner when we were negotiating our uh, SEC television contract, and I, I'll never forget the term he used. He said, "I can't, I can't tell you all the exact numbers, but it's going to be robust." And it was <laughs> robust, and it continues to be. And what a difference that television money has made in all of our programs. You know, I truly believe we're the strongest conference in America. I really believe if you can finish in the top three in the SEC, you can finish in the top ten in the country. That's how strong we are. And we're showing it now with baseball and softball. Everybody's making the tournament. You looked at what what we did in basketball this year, men's and women's basketball, just across across the board. So, yes, the budgets are big. I have have to tell you, uh, I – 
as as I think about the television contracts, uh, many times I was had the privilege of being in the in the room where we were negotiating the contracts, and I was the only female in the room. And uh, several times when people, the CBS and ESPN and all of them were coming in presenting their proposals, I can remember when they first started, they would say, "You guys and Joan." Well, after the, about the second time that was said, I said, "Time out." I just want <laughs> I just want to let you know yeah. that I never coached woman to woman defense. I coached man to man defense, and by you saying "you guys," I feel included in that. So you don't have to say "you guys" and Joan. They they made it awkward by trying not to make yeah, it awkward. That's right. Actually, <laughs> so I tried to, to set that straight. You uh, obviously are closely associated with Coach Summit, and I, I believe we're coming up on, on the third anniversary of her yes. passing. Um, that was just a tragedy that was felt so deeply by the whole community, the whole country, and, but really the, the community of Knoxville as a whole. Um, just your thoughts on, on that time and, and Pat's legacy as, as we've mm-hmm. You know, had some time to reflect on everything yeah. that's happened. Well, you know, I, I again, I had the privilege of working with Pat for over three decades, and uh, a stronger woman I I do not know, and uh, I I will never forget her walking in my office and and saying, Joan, I've just been diagnosed with, and her exact words were, early stage dementia, Alzheimer's strand. Now, Russell, I had never been involved with Alzheimer's at that point. So my first thought was early stages, that's good. You know, I'm thinking of cancer diagnosis. And I said, well, Pat, early stage is good. And she said, no, that means I'm younger and it progresses faster. I mean, you talk about somebody facing it on. Then I said, well, you know, we'll just say you have dementia because that sounds better. And we'll, we'll, and she said, no, we'll, We've always been an open book. We've always been lived in a fishbowl. We'll say exactly what I have, and we're going to battle this, and I'm going to battle it as best I can. And then she said something that really had an impact on me. She said, Joan, I thought I was going to be remembered for winning basketball games, but I hope I'm remembered for winning basketball games, making a difference in young people's lives, and making a difference in this disease. And uh, at that time, we formed a foundation. It's a Pat Summit Foundation, and I'm privileged to be chair of that now. And our goal is to uh, continue. She wanted us to raise money for research and caregivers. And uh, we just had a board meeting yesterday, and we have succeeded extremely well in doing that. We opened a Pat Summit clinic in in coordinating with medi- the medical university here and it's it's a top-notch research clinic and uh, so we continue to do what she wanted us to do well for somebody that was known for accomplishing her goals if her goals were to be remembered for somebody who won games made a difference in the lives of her student mm-hmm. athletes and made a difference in the fight against that disease that's exactly how I think of her in 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 that order. When, yeah, so yeah, another goal accomplished, I well, guess. Well, thank you, and and I appreciate that because you know it was at the board meeting. I I said yesterday, you know, if if Pat was here, you know, we all wear these bracelets. What would Jesus do? I said if if we had a bracelet that said What would Pat want? I think she would tell each of you as board members, job well done, because I really believe. And and she taught us so much 
through that courage. You know, when we had the celebration of life in Thompson Bowling Arena, 95% of the athletes that she coached over four decades came back. Wow. So that's a sign of really respect. And I called a huddle before we went out on the, on the arena floor, and I told the girls, I said, you know, never in my lifetime or probably your lifetime will you know anybody that was more accomplished and won more awards than Pat Summit. I mean, she'd won everything there, there was to, to win. But I said the most important thing is the and. Never will we know anybody that was more accomplished and more humble. And Pat Summit was, that was the key to me of what she was all about. She would, somebody, you get asked as an AD, you know, how is it to work with power coaches? Well, Pat was a power coach in, in what she did, but she was not a power coach in being demanding. She was always wanted what was best for the program. I mean, the first thing she would say, is this good for the game? Because she loved basketball. And, you know, we played all kind of crazy times, played on chip decks, did, did all kind of things to, to promote the game, and that was important to Pat. Well, and you talk about that, uh, the, the, the teamwork between uh, the men's department, the women's department, and I always like the stories about uh, Coach Pearl when he was here. They, it seemed like they had a special relationship, and he was so, seemed so proud when they put the summit on the floor. Yes. And was so – because that could have been divisive, I suppose, at some other schools, but it absolutely was not here, and I thought that uh, that was a pretty cool thing to see It, it was. It really was. You know, I remember the, the night – Bruce painted his chest <laughs> and the team, and then so Pat couldn't let him outdo it. So the next game, she put on a cheerleader uniform and went out in the middle of the floor and sang Rocky Top. And Russell, I've been around the world with Pat Summit and lots of to the White House and to lots of wonderful events. But the most nervous I have ever seen her was that night in that cheerleader uniform going out there to sing Rocky Top. One, she has about as much rhythm as I do. <laughs> and two, she didn't feel real comfortable in a cheerleader uniform. But she did it because Bruce had painted his chest. And that's the kind of team player she was. I remember watching that on TV and thinking uh, just how surreal it was to see the, the stern taskmaster, uh, Pat Summit, out there uh, cutting up. It was, it was kind of, is this really happening? Yeah, that, <laughs> she pulled it off. She did, and she, she did it well. But, you know, you mentioned about... Pat, uh, basketball being the leader and then developing the other women's sports. One of the reasons we were able to do that, those other women's sports were important to Pat. I remember uh, specifically with Ralph and Karen Weekly, our softball coaches who have done a tremendous job and uh, brought in Monica Abbott, who's the best pitcher ever. Sure. And, uh, you know, were, were we going to be able to get a new program, going to get a kid from California who was such a great pitcher? So through the process, Pat met with her, I met with her, and, you know, and, and she decided to come. And that was exciting and was really a great foundation. Her freshman year, we go out and upset Stanford in the NCAs to go to the, uh, the, to the World Series. Uh -huh. And the softball team does something that's really special. After a game, rather than going directly back to the locker room, they go out in center field and they circle up and they do what they call – throw bouquets rather than the coach saying what you, what you did right or wrong 
the players compliment each other. Okay. And so they're out in the middle of the field. We've just upset Stanford. We're going to the World Series. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty happy AD that, at that stage, too, out there in the circle with them. And I'll never forget Monica Abbott looking at me and saying, Miss Cronin, do you have Pat Summit's cell phone? We need to call her because when she recruited me, she said she was going to go to the World Series if I got softball there. You think she'll go? I said, I know she'll go, and we'll be there with bells on. So sure enough, Pat and I went to the first World Series with the Lady Balls. Excellent, excellent. And uh, another change with the, with, with the Lady Ball program, Kelly Harper coming home to, to take over that program. And obviously she was one of Pat's great players and mm-hmm. – um, the the pro the, the, it seems like that's become a, a a tough job to hold and and you knew following Pat Summit I mean who can oh, do gosh. that before we go into there I want to I want to be sure that your your audience and and our fans know what a great job Holly Warlick did for us sure. you know when that was a tough transition and what she did in that transition was very very special and uh, I think you know as I told her 38 years with the university and as a player and assistant coach and helping with that transition we we owe a lot to her and I really really appreciate it a, a quick story was uh, Holly was walking through the Atlanta airport uh, right after she took over the job and she had on a lady ball warm-up and this lady comes up and says oh you must be from Tennessee and she said yes ma'am and the lady said, well, that's where they had that great coach, didn't they? And uh, the lady wow. said, I can't remember her name. And Holly said, Pat Summit. She said, oh, yeah, that's right. And then the lady said, well, I can't remember. What was the name of the girl who took her place? <laughs> and, and Holly very calmly with a smile said, Holly Warlick. And the lady shook her head and said, I would hate to be in her shoes. <laughs> and Holly quickly <laughs> responded and said, me too, and went on <laughs> walking down the, the concourse. Well so played. So it, it, was, it was big shoes, big shoes to fill. So thank you, Holly, for what, what you did. The transition to Kelly is, is tremendous. I mean, I uh, feel very good about what Kelly brings to the program. Uh, it's hard to believe I saw on Facebook yesterday it was her 20th wedding anniversary, which means it was 20 years ago when she played played for us, and uh, she still looks like she's three, according to me. But uh, but to have Kelly back, Kelly was one of the toughest leaders we ever had, and you know she was on the back to back to back championships. We were up at the White House, and uh, I can remember Pat being asked um, after we won our second championship, are you going to three-peat? And she said, it has more to do with that little blonde point guard over there than it does with me because she's the leader of the team. And sure enough, we we did three-peat. And uh, for, so for Kelly to be able to, to come back, you know, after she graduated, I often said if the Washington Mystics had recruited Kelly to go with Shamiqua, they probably would have won some more national championships at, at, with the Warriors. She was great leader, really tough. And, you know, it's been coaching 15 years out there, so she brings head coaching experience, experiences from several schools. But the best thing she said in the press conference was, I am not Pat Summit. I am Kelly, who learned from Pat Summit. And I hope to maintain all of that excellence and uh, – and I think she will. It's it's a tough act to follow, and uh, certainly she's one of the the beloved Lady Vols of all time, and a, a former player here. And 
I remember watching uh, when she got the job, the the video, the the year that I think it was HBO followed the team around. Yes. Uh, that great documentary, and she had, I guess, blown out an ACL right before the season, and it, well, that's it, right? She's yeah. done, and four months, I think, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's back, she's back out there. Yeah, she is. That's unheard and, of. And you know that that I would really uh, advise anybody who loves the Lady Vols to go back and watch that HBO documentary. It's really uh, it shows Kelly Jolly exactly what she is as a leader and somebody tough and it's um uh, she's just a great young lady a great coach and um, I'm proud she's back wearing orange. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to see and uh, Jonah appreciate your time today. You know, going into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, you're already in the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, a a list of awards too long to to go through right here. Where where does this one rank? It's really pretty pretty special because, as I said, uh, you know, I wasn't. It's not because I was a player. It's not because I was a coach, but I wanted to make a difference. And uh, you know, my favorite Bible verse is Luke twelve forty eight, where it says, "To whom much is given, much is required." I feel very blessed, and so to be honored to to. For giving back, I think is is very special, and uh, it's great to have the Hall of Fame right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. You know that was a 22 years ago when we raised the money to build the Hall of Fame. Uh, it was real special to think about building a, a Hall of Fame for women, for basketball, and making it in Knoxville, Tennessee. So um, on the weekend of June 8th, if you don't have your tickets, please call the Tennessee Theater and. Get them and come on down because there'll be a anybody that's anybody in women's basketball will will be there and I'm proud that it's hosted the Tennessee Theater such a great historic venue I've had the opportunity to go lots of Hall of Fame inductions but none of them are better than what it looks and what happens in the Tennessee Theater. And you don't even have to travel for it. I know. That's <laughs> the best part. Everybody said, where are you going? I said, just down the street. They yeah. did give me a hotel room downtown, okay. so so I'll, I'll be right there. But uh, got lots of family coming in, and, and as I said, my high school coach and a high school teammate and uh, some friends. and So it, it's very special, but I'm really proud of the fact that Knoxville – hosted and Knoxville has the Hall of Fame here and uh, you know one of the things that people don't realize is the Hall of Fame building has some great you know holds the history of women's basketball but it's also a great venue I bet you I've spoken down there a thousand times to businesses who have their end of the yeah. year meeting or their sales meeting down there to use sports to motivate. The one thing we didn't talk about that I'm really proud of is I was able to write a book and it's called Sport is Life with the Volume Turned Up. And it's lessons you learn. In fact, Russell, before you leave here, you're going to have one in your hand. Uh, I was, okay. was going to ask if yeah. I could borrow one. No, uh, no, it be to yours. I'm a librarian. I can check it out. That's can right. I? You okay. are. Yeah, you okay. can check it out. <laughs> and you, the only requirement is just call me and tell me what you think about it. But uh, you, it's it's a book that it was one of those things. It's not a Joan Cronin story or a Lady Vol story, but it uses the stories that why I think sport is important. I think it's it's life with the volume turned up. Just think about in a basketball game example, 
you have to change offenses, you have to change defenses, you have to change lineups, you have to pat some people on the back, you have to kick other people in the rear, and as so many things happen, and you know the results right then. It's not like starting a business where you have a long process, and I, I just think that's why I'm excited about having sports for both men and women, because I think you learn so much from them. Plus, they're a lot of fun, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, they're, that's why we first get into it. That's but, right. Uh, if you stick around long enough, you realize it does teach you some of those life lessons. and yeah. Fall down and pick yourself back up. Dust off your britches and get back in there, right? Excellent. Dust off your britches and get back in it. But, you know, before we close, I have one of my favorite sayings, and, uh, and I think we, we talked about the importance and how Knoxville gives and all the opportunities we have here. Uh, in life and in tennis, it's better to serve than receive. <laughs> and I, I just think I'm getting ready to uh, to go watch my grandson play in the state high school tennis tournament, and I hope he serves better than he receives today. Absolutely. i got to have a big serve. Uh, so you're obviously enjoying life here. You're still AD emeritus. I know you said you don't keep an office over there, but uh, I, I'd imagine you're free to to come in and, and check Absol in from time to time. Absolutely. I, they, the university has been wonderful. And uh, somebody says, what does emeritus mean? I said, it means I'm old. It means I smile <laughs> oh, no. more. I don't have to make major decisions. But one of the things that's been exciting is that you know, like a Philip Fulmer has reached out and, and uh, included me on lots of lots of different things, which are fun. And uh, and then the other thing is I'm now on advisory board at the law school. I'm on advisory board at the School of Business. And uh, so I continue to be involved with Tennessee. And that's that's what we want to do. And you, you mentioned uh, you, you got the grandkids. I, I know those can keep you busy. Uh, do, uh, we're we're out here on the on the golf course. Do you get out there and hit any? I uh, every day I can. Really? I, I, okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, but the problem is I keep. I thought when I retired my scores would go down. They don't. But no. I have a lot more fun. It's <laughs> it's, it's a great great time and it's a great sport and uh, the you know I think friends and family are are so important and I I got asked the other day uh, if I had all the women that, you know, in the world standing in front of me, what advice would you give them? And I'd do the same thing for all the men and women. It's enjoy the journey. Uh, sometimes we get so focused on what we're doing that we forget to enjoy the journey. And I think that's that's real important. I uh, In some of my corporate speaking, I talk about things that Pat taught me and things that I hope I taught her. And one of them that I hope I taught her was to enjoy the journey because she was so driven and so focused. Sometimes I had to say, you know, slow down. We we look look what's happened. Look what we're doing, and take take a deep breath and enjoy the journey. And then, um, you know, some of the things that she taught me was was obviously discipline. To she could multitask better than anybody I know, and she had she always said that the basketball court was her classroom, mm -hmm. and I uh, thought that was real important. If Pat was, Russell, if Pat was here today talking to us and you ask her what is she most proud of, she wouldn't talk about her eight champion, national championships. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't talk about the Olympic gold medals. I think she would smile and tell you that every young lady who played for her over those almost four decades, played for her for four years, graduated.
Outstanding. And, uh, and that, you know, so those goals, and they practiced what they preached. I mean, if you didn't go to class and you didn't sit in the front three rows, you didn't play the next game. And I'm not saying we didn't miss some. They probably, uh, but if we knew that they skipped a class, then they didn't play in the next game. And it didn't matter who it was. In fact, Candace Parker and I are, a couple of months ago did a program for Coca-Cola for their top executives, and um, we talked about discipline, and we, we laughed. I said, probably the only time I tried to negotiate Pat down from being too disciplined was we had a policy that we tried to go to the player's hometown their senior year, close that, yeah. by, where everybody could come watch. Well, Candace was from Chicago, and we, so we playing to Paul. And it's it's not a huge gym, but I guarantee you, ninety nine percent of the tickets are sold to Kansas's family and friends. <laughs> so I've got the whole whole family coming in, and Candace missed cur- curfew the night before the game. Not she wasn't doing anything wrong. She was in the hotel, but just hadn't gotten back to her room. So Pat wanted to sit her out the entire game. I said, Pat, I cannot sit there in that gym with the whole Parker clan. And and I, I said, this is not about winning and losing. This is just about – so we compromised, and Candace set out the first half. But Candace got to play the second half. But that's how disciplined she was. And, and you know, and you've got to appreciate that about – consistent and disciplined were were what they said. No no doubt about it. Well, uh, Joan, congrats on your, all your success. It's a remarkable story. Um, and you've shared so many stories already. I, I've – started kind of ending these asking the the guests to to give me a funny story or something from from their time you've already given so many are there is there anything else you want to share before uh, i get out of your hair here yeah well no i love having you and russ you great great interviewer and uh i don't think i've ever quite had so much equipment in my in my <laughs> home here with all all of our speakers here but you know uh just two things um one is um uh, you know, sometimes in life, and now as you get older and you look back and you think about what would you have done, uh, one of the things that I think all of us have trouble is balancing our life and trying to do all the things we want to do. And uh, I came up with a system that's in my book, so you'll read it, but it's uh, uh, I always ask, you know, how many of us like to make lists? We all like and. How many of you have put things on your list after you've done it? I've done it because you like to check those things off. So I can remember one day coming home and the kids were middle school and I was juggling way too many things. And uh, I said, I, I've got to get control of, of what I'm doing. So I came up with a what I call a bell system and B-E-L-L-S. So every day I try to write those letters down and check them off. The, if you ask me what my priorities are, I would tell you God, family, Tennessee, Knoxville, tennis, golf, all of all the things get. And I so so, if you ask me what my priorities are, I would tell you those. And so, I tried to make the bells correlate with that. So you can do whatever you want to do to make your your life balanced with your priorities. But the B stands for I'm going to read my Bible or do a devotional each day. Okay. The E stands for some, I'm going to do something physical exercise that helps me be a better, better healthy. The first L stands for I'm going to write a letter or a note 
to somebody I'm thinking about. Not one I have to, but one I want to. And uh, you're not going to like this because it can't be an email. It has to be a, a handwritten, handwritten note. Handwritten, okay. And most of the time it's just a card or just, you know, it doesn't have to be a long, but it's it's so much fun to 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 get a handwritten note in today's world. And I'm addicted to email, and I was up at 5 o'clock doing emails, but uh, you need to, to write a note. The The second L is I'm going to uh, to learn something new every day. If you look over there, there's a sheet that uh, I had my 70th birthday, and my grandkids wrote down 70 things they love about Grandy. And um, one of them was that she has all the new technology. So I'm going to continue to learn and try not let the, the world of technology pass me by. Then the S stands for special project. And I always did a pretty good job of keeping life straight at the office, but I hate housework. And so <laughs> uh, my special project is I'm going to do something at home that's going to make our house a, huh. a home. So it, t- I can tell you to... Um, to make the bells ring is uh, makes you feel a lot better. And so enjoy the journey, better to serve than receive, and continue to make the bells ring. Thank you for having me. Joan, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there it is, Joan Cronin here on the Russell Smith Podcast. Again, her induction to the Women's Hall of Fame is on Saturday, June the 8th. And you can check out the Hall of Fame website for ticket information there. Also want to plug her book. It's called Sport is Life with the volume turned up. I'm going to be reading that here in the very near future. And you can too. Uh, That is available on Amazon. If you want to throw me a few bucks while you're at it, the tip jar is always open. All you got to do is go to anchor.fm. Just search out Russell Smith Podcast. And you can show some love which is always greatly appreciated, of course. All right, uh, should have some more interviews coming up in the very near future. I know it's kind of an irregular schedule here, but uh, if you follow me on Twitter, at Russell, triple underscore Smith. Uh, We've got a Facebook page for my radio show, The Drive with Russell Smith. It's facebook.com forward slash The Drive with Russell Smith. Uh, I'll always be posting the links on there as soon as they're up and uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're at because that's probably the easiest way it just pops up whenever there's a new episode so thanks again for checking it out we'll talk soon